My name is Jim Farley, and this is Drive. I did from Indiana with my LS Swap 240SX, no air conditioning, no, no nothing, drove cross country, kept only what I could keep in this car, <laughs> ended up getting stuck in a sandstorm through Nevada, and I had to keep the windows up. It was like 100 degrees. It was blistering. Now, that is so weird you say that, because I got caught in a sandstorm in Nevada, and, and really? my lights went out. I somehow get contaminating my lights and <laughs> yeah, and I don't know how they got in there, but my lights would go on and go off and that you know, you see these tumbleweeds and, and sand going across the road and you're like, oh, I'm not I'm not sure I'm gonna make it. But that's uh, fine. Welcome my guest, Amelia Hartford. She's an influencer on YouTube, yes. She modifies her own cars, yes. But she's so much more than that. She represents the future of the car industry. So I wanted to just get an insight because I'm fascinated with these things. I watched your content on, um, I know you didn't intend to wind up where you are, but you are a big influencer now. <laughs> like my daughter, Grace is 14, going on 15. She watches your uh, video. She's a, she's a dirt biker, but she loves your content. Oh, that means so much. Um, yeah, when I started, I definitely did not expect to build the the audience and the following that I do today. But over the course of six years, um, I, as long as an incredible team that um, I've built and brought up along with me, has been able to scale this incredible company that I'm so incredibly grateful for because I get to travel the world, build cool cars, and see some pretty amazing people. You know, it's not like you start out to do that, like you said. So you got to tell me about the names of your cars. <laughs> one of the things I notice is like you love naming your cars. Yeah. That, and a lot of people do that in life. So what is your criteria to name a car as it just come to you? So I was never a huge car namer, let's say. When mm -hmm. I, I had my G35, that was the first car I ever got. Um, but I never got too into names. But when I started YouTubing, you know, it kind of, built this character around the cars that we were building and and people loved that and so my 240 now her name is envy envy stood for non-vegetarian because she likes the meat because she's a drift car meat being the Got tires it. It. and also it, it kind of could play off on green with envy and my buick regal was actually named after my grandma mimi because the car came from her and and from there you know, we just kind of have fun with it. My C8 Corvette named Phoenix because the car caught on fire and she resurrected from the dead, <laughs> from the ashes, quite literally. And yeah, it's it's more just having fun and seeing the fun things that we can come up with that also keeps the audience engaged and interested and creates a personality. And then we almost have a bond, me and the audience, because it's something that, you know, they come up with a name sometimes too. And, and it's almost easier to refer to a car also by a name than, you know, specking out exactly what the motor is and what um you know chassis and all that each time so it's it's also a little bit of ease as well but yeah when when it yeah. comes to naming cars we, we try to have fun with it i have to say that is a really awesome answer because it's actually not one thing or the other it's a combination of things and i have to tell you of all the car people that i've kind of virtually met you have more know-how around what you've modified your car and the way you describe the modifications <laughs> that almost anyone I've ever met. And so I can understand why simplifying, you know, the car instead of describing all the mods, which probably goes through <laughs> your brain, 
uh, is like a really quick way. Okay, that makes total sense now. Now I, I got it. Yeah. And, and a lot of it too for content is just reeling it back a little because I want it to be enjoyable for someone who may be very experienced in automotive space. And then also, you know, Grace, when she tunes in to, to watch the vlog, that's something that anyone at any level, whether they're new getting to the cars, whether experienced veterans can can tune in and enjoy and understand what's going on. I got it. So I have to ask you, what what got you into cars? Like, I, I want to go back to Indiana or your your early life. Like, what got you into cars in the first place? How did this whole thing start? Yeah. Um, well, right before I was supposed to turn 16 years old, my dad actually passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to my knowledge, to I mean, he wasn't a car guy. You know, did it really run in the family? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I it kind of made me realize that at a young age, I was going to have to make some tough decisions on my own. And, you know, I remember <laughs> crying in my finance class thinking, man, I don't have a dad to teach me these things. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, all right, well, I should start teaching myself. And the first mm. major decision was what car I was going to buy myself. Mm. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on the internet, Googling and researching kind of like how I still do to this day. Um, but instead I was on the forums who, I mean, they're a little biased towards, you know, more race cars than anything. And the internet told me I had to get something bigger than a four cylinder. It had to be manual and it had to be rear wheel drive. Mm. And that's how I decided on the G35. And then it was probably two weeks after buying that car that my mom told us that we were going to be, uh, moving to Indiana. And that was definitely a culture shock. Um, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved the people, the car community. Um, they ended up being a fatherly figure for me in a way. And they really stepped in and pulled me out of a dark time. And instead of partying on the weekends, you know, we're, we're doing turbo swaps and working on engines and, and it just gave me the sense of, of family that I felt like I had lost, um, after losing my dad. And from there, um, you know, unfortunately, on the way back from the racetrack, uh, I was hit at a standstill with a G35. That was totaled. Um, but, you know, I I felt confident in what I wanted to do next was I wanted to stay in the, like, Infinity Nissan JDM family. So I wanted to get a 240SX, but it had to have that American muscle on it. Yeah, so I ended perfectly. up with the, with the LS because that's kind of what the, the crew was into at the time. But... <laughs> um, and I got that car and, you know, we started working on that to help me get on the road. And, and it was once she was running that, that's when I decided to go cross country. You know, I think I just more than anything, like when I first got a stick, I'd never driven a stick a day in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. I rested the clutch on the way home. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I just wanted to perfect it. It kept my mind off things. Um, like there's only really two times I ever feel truly in the moment where I'm not having thoughts. And it's um, when I'm acting, of course, I'm having thoughts as a character. But in that moment, I feel so present and when I'm behind a wheel. And when I'm behind a wheel, I just wanted to perfect things. Like I wanted to to heel toe, rev match, downshift, everything. And learn how to come out of corners quicker at a higher RPM. And, and when I moved to Indiana, it was, all right, so now let's make these faster. Like what more can we do? I remember driving my G35 up on a curb because I didn't know how to jack it up and just crawling mm. underneath the curb and just like, tinkering with a wrench like oh what's this do well what will happen if i take this off um just because i i didn't know where to start i didn't know what to do but i wanted to to do something um so that kind of struck that and yeah i 
I really, without the B crew, Bloomington crew from Indiana, um, I don't know where I'd be today. That's interesting. Um, actually, we're not very different. I, I got to L.A. because uh, my wife was an actress. She was my girlfriend then. Um, and I worked in a car restoration shop, probably the best one in the country at the time, uh, run by Phil Hill, who was the first American Formula One champion. And um, I was a janitor there, uh, and I, I was fine with being a janitor because they, they worked on the most beautiful cars in the world, Delahaye's, Delage, all the French custom-built coachwork vehicles in the 20s and 30s. Um, I got a PhD in the car business, not because I went to graduate school, because I was around other people making $70 an hour as painters and interior people and motor people. Um, it's not any different than your B crew, no different. We're uh, a lot more alike than you <laughs> would imagine. So, and I, I would have no surprise at all if I could come back to the earth and you were running Ford Motor Company, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So I, I have to, one question I have to ask is maybe more general. Is how do you get the courage to, or where did the courage in your life come from where you dive into these projects often without any kind of, you know, concrete technical knowledge and you've always figured it out. I'm sure if we went through all the cars, I'd prove that assumption. Out. <laughs> and but you're really courageous. Like you do all the work yourself. You're nothing kind of, nothing scares you. It seems like what was it? Where's that from? You know, I will say now I have an incredible team who helps because the progress of YouTube, of the progress is unrealistic when people want to see a build beginning to end in, in like two weeks span. So I'm very fortunate that I've, I've built a team now, but I definitely started doing yeah. everything on my own and everything is self-taught. I've had incredible mentors as as I've progressed through these years and, you know, it scares me. It really does working on a car that I've never worked on before. And as I've gotten older, you know, you start to realize they're all the same. Um, but it's petrifying to feel like you can mess something yeah. up and not know how to fix it or put it back together. And then you're in a worse situation than when you started. Um, but you know, I, I just really fell in love with taking something apart to replace it with something better, to make it go faster. And that feeling you get when it works, it's almost undescribable unless you've been able to experience it yourself, which I'm, I'm sure you can relate to. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there's been times where I've stripped a ball and I'm like, oh God, how am yes. I going to get out of this? But I do a lot of research online. I try to do as much you know, research beforehand. I always try to make sure I have all the parts ordered for every build before I, I really dive into it. So I can really just focus on, on one at a time in order to just keep everything going along smoothly. But it's, it can definitely be daunting at times. And, and I see it out of other people when they get scared to work on their own car because they're more scared to, to do something wrong than anything. But it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to do it wrong. And this community and this industry that we're in is so incredible that everyone is there to help you. It, it's like one big family. Actually, uh, changing forward isn't so different. I keep telling my team just keep walking just keep going yeah um yeah I, I had similar experience personally my parents weren't car people but I was um so anyways I, I was very fortunate um because I always found car people no matter where I lived 
But I had the idea yeah. when I was 14 or 15 to uh, buy an old Mustang. I got a job in an engine remanufacturing plant in the city of industry in LA. And my parents flew me out there for the summer. And I found a car in a junkyard and it had a blown motor, uh, shackles on the back. It was like this really bad looking <laughs> 70s, you know, 60s race, uh, drag racing car all jacked up in the back. And that was your first car? Yeah, my first car. <laughs> so I, I didn't have any money. So I, I slept in it. Um, I, wow. I had to save my work money for the motor. And I happened to work in a plant that rebuilt Ford Motors. So I rebuilt my, I would wait after the factory shut down and I built my own motor. I had no idea what I was doing. And then, you know, um, some nights I just would be done so late, it wouldn't make sense to take the bus or get a ride home from my uncle. So I would just sleep in the car. And anyways, I drove it home without telling my parents. I, I sold my plane ticket and bought gas and, and I waited to the last minute and I left a bunch of spark plug wires off. I got terrible gas mileage and I got stuck in Las Vegas. Anyways, it was a great experience. And like you said, working on that car was um, the beginning for me. Yeah. It was like the best thing ever happened. It was so satisfying when I got to Michigan. My parents were totally upset. It's funny. I kind of did the the opposite. I didn't live. The opposite from Indiana, right? I did from Indiana yeah. with my LS Swap 240SX. No air conditioning, no no nothing, drove cross country, kept only what I could keep in this car, <laughs> ended up getting stuck in a sandstorm through Nevada and I had to keep the windows up. It was like a hundred degrees. It was blistering. Um, and yeah, that's what I ended up driving to, to California. I would drive that car at auditions, showing up just dripping in sweat. Now that is so weird. You say that because I got caught in a sandstorm in Nevada and really and my lights went out they kept going out because oh, the sand would get in in the bezel or something yeah I'd somehow get contaminated in my lights and <laughs> yeah and i don't know how they got in there but my lights would go on and go off and the, you know you see these tumbleweeds and and sand going across the road and you're like oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure i'm gonna make it but uh, that's funny yeah yeah i i had to pull over after that and do an oil change because it, it was she uh, was hurting a little bit after that. Yeah, right. yeah, nothing better for her than an oil change. That's smart. So, what do you think your legacy will be? Do you think the legacy will be the cars or the people that you touch, or what? What do you think will be the afterglow of what you're doing right now? It's so interesting that you asked that question because I've actually been talking about that on my YouTube channel as of lately. And as I'm getting older, I understand I'm still young. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize that life, it's not forever. And I've known that. I lost my father when I was young. You know, I think more than anything, I just want to, I just hope I can make change for good and inspire a younger generation. I think that's at the end of the day, you know, I hope to do good on this earth. I hope I can help anyone I can, especially the younger generation with cars, because, you know, as we've talked, the future is a little uncertain and I, I think I'm still figuring out legacy as I go, but right now I'm I'm very into doing what I can to help. Makes perfect sense. You know, I look back maybe the opposite look, and I'm most thankful for Yoshi Inaba who gave me a chance at Toyota and, and all the other people who actually had mm. the exact same view. Yeah, I think you're the way that you work on cars with so many other people and are thankful for all the surprising twists and turn of their help, 
I think, um, is an incredible legacy because you're giving people confidence to start a project without them having all the answers and relying on other people's kindness and insight and knowledge um, to kind of help them get it done. And, and I think that our world needs a lot more of that. Well, thank you. That means a lot to hear. My name is Jim Farley, and this is Drive. I have to say, you know, just as a Ford person, um, I noticed other than your Ferrari, you couldn't even leave the Ferrari stock. You had to change the exhaust <laughs> system. But um, the Ford is kind of like the only kind of car that's kind of stock. But then you promised all of us that you're going to do something radical with it. I heard 1,000 horsepower. I don't know if that's on the plan. So you just got to give me a private update of where that thing's going, that project. I'll give you a quick rundown. I'd wanted to stick with the Coyote engine, the five liter, and I had wanted to do a root style big blower. And unfortunately, it was it was a little costly. And I think we could have fabricated something to make it work. But at the end of the day, for the horsepower numbers I was going for, I'm shooting for about 2000. Um, it, <laughs> we decided at the end of the day to do a big block Ford. Um, you know, yeah. I decided, you know, I should keep it in the Ford family if I was going to do something like that. Yeah. And yeah, so it fit. Okay, this part people don't know, but by the time this comes out, I'm sure people have seen, but you know, it... And it fit? No problem? It, it fit actually really wow. well, so there's a lot of room in that engine bay. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, we've used that platform for a long time, so yeah. Well, what other questions do you have for me, the CEO of Ford? I have techie questions, but I'll go through that another time. I'm, I am curious more to hear about I guess your story and where you are today. Um, look, cars are all that I cared about. All my relationships in my life mostly came from a mutual love of cars. I was a self-taught person in terms of working on cars. My, my father was a banker. He didn't really care about cars at all. Um, we moved around a lot. I was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and moved to the States. Um, I, I lived in Montreal, Canada, so I've been around a lot of places, and so I saw a lot of different kinds of people um, in different kind of conditions. But I, uh, I always love cars, and it's been the number one motivator. My biggest fear when I was your age is to go into the car business because I thought because it's a business, it would ruin my love of cars. So mm. there was no job like you, no business I could build like yours. So is either you're working in a gas station or you work in a car company. There wasn't really mm -hmm. anything in between. So I, um, I worked at IBM because I really liked technology. Out of college, uh, I ran the computer lab at Georgetown, my school, and I got really into computers. And, you know, but I was always working. I had a five-liter Mustang GT after my 65 I traded in. And and that was my real passion. And during the day, I funded it by working at IBM. And then I went to graduate school and I worked at JP Morgan in um, corporate finance and I did not like it. And I said to myself, I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to go in the car business. And my biggest decision that I made that was a smart one is I got offers from every car company and I went to Toyota. Mm -hmm. My family was not happy about that. My dad was a veteran. My grandfather was an hourly worker for Ford. 
and so I was kind of an, in a way an outcast. Um, and um, I started working at Toyota and you know at Lexus, and we came up with the first Lexus, the Coupe, then the RX, then then I got put over at Toyota, and I started working on all the coming up with the ideas of the 92 Camry, which was a breakthrough. We localized it in Kentucky. And, you know, I just kept working on cool new cars. And then I went to Toyota of Europe, got to come up with all sorts of really cool cars there. I got to learn about the European business. And then I came back and I worked in dealers. And then I got put in charge of Scion, which is probably my big break. And, um, you know, I've always been I would say on the very outer edges of the really new projects at these car companies. And when everyone else said, oh, that's a, that's a really risky job. Don't go to Scion. I was like, I'll, <laughs> I volunteer for Tribune. <laughs> yes. I always, I always volunteered for the kind of the most hazardous jobs because I felt like I could learn the most. Yeah, and, that's true though. That really is where you learn the most. Yep. And I, and I made a lot of mistakes. I remember going to Europe. I didn't know anything about European cars, and I would spend hours every weekend in parking lots at malls taking pictures of, like, trying to understand the diesel market and different displacements and what kind of interior. So I'm just like you. I love cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you – this is an odd question, and this is part of the work-life balance, but do you find it's hard to turn off when it's time to go to sleep? Do you feel like you're constantly thinking about work or have you kind of gotten yeah. to a routine where now you're able to turn off once you leave the building or does it ever really turn off? Not for me, not for this job. Yeah. The greatest thing for me is my kids and my wife yeah. are really close. And so they keep me really grounded cause I'm just dad. <laughs> they don't care what my job is. Um, so I'm grounded, but I no, I can't leave this job at the door. Yeah. So um, I have to come back to the last question, which is your legacy, because you're such a successful person. You built this great business. You have all these wonderful people on your team and people you've known. What's next? How, where are you, where are you taking it all? It's mm, a good question. I try not to be too nearsighted. I always try to look, you know, five, 10 years in the future. And I, I see, I never see myself not working on cars and doing builds and getting new chassis and, and constantly trying to push them to their limits because I found the most fun in learning the new technology and seeing what I can do with it and what the car is capable of. Also, I think producing higher, nicer cinematography style mm -hmm. stuff, be it, you know, car based movies even. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd like to start doing different forms of, of racing to get to really experience everything. And right now I'm trying to build, I've almost successfully built um, one of every type of genre of car, but I think it's just constantly trying to push the envelope of what I'm doing. And to be honest, you know, when I was younger, YouTube didn't even exist. So I can only imagine, you know, what else is going to come up along the way. But I think I get so much joy out of doing what I do and building cars that I don't really see that going anywhere. I think it's going to be more, you know, the challenges of, of horsepower and, and how much more do you keep pushing and, and just always finding that limit. I think that's where I get, I get the most joy. Got it. You know, I've met a lot of people in this business. I've been so fortunate. Uh, I met pretty much every one of my heroes and literally I could, there's one other person 
that literally said the exact same thing to me when I asked him really? the question. Yeah, Carol Shelby. Really? Wow. Exactly the That's same thing. Yeah. Honor to even have my name affiliated with that. You, uh, you remind me a lot of him, actually. Wow. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of see you as a modern Carol Shelby who's going to change his industry. I can't wait wow. to see what you do. I'm speechless. Thank you. And I'll be, I'm a subscriber and I'll keep watching. And uh, I, I can't wait to see uh, what's around the next <laughs> corner. And I can't wait to see that Mustang. But um, congratulations you. on all your success. Uh, consider the CEO afford a, uh, a fan <laughs> and uh, someone you can always get a hold of. And uh, I wish you nothing but the success. And I really enjoyed our chat today. And I, I can't imagine how proud your father must be of you. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me on here. And it was really nice speaking with you. Yep. Same. Right back at you. Drive is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom of Magnificent Noise for Spotify. Chris Curtin is consulting producer. Our production staff includes Julia Na and Eva Walchover, with help from Lori Arpin, Jeff Nelson, Josh Malofsky, Darnell Macon, and Mark Truby. Special thanks to Liz Kellogg and Matt Lieber. Jim Farley is the host, and this is Drive. Drive.